Hello, and welcome to Benjamin Man McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and today on the show, I chat with the stars of the current production of the new musical Strictly Borum, playing in Sydney's Lyric Theatre. Then, I also check out the Helpman Awards, which were hosted in Sydney on the 18th of August. And I also check out the Mythbusters Tour, which is currently making its way around Australia. And of course, I give my normal movie reviews and let you know what's coming up next. But first, here's my interview with one of the stars of Strictly Ballroom. Here's my chat with Phoebe Panaritos, who plays Fran in Strictly Ballroom. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, what inspired you to become a performer? Oh, I, I just loved, um, I just loved musicals. Like as a kid, I'd go to my grandmother's house, and she'd put on, you know, The Sound of Music and and Grease, and I just like fell in love with musicals, and I loved singing and dancing, and I was a very loud, very attention-seeking child that was always singing and dancing for my family. And it was just something I enjoyed. So my parents put me into dance classes. And then the older I got, it just the more passionate I became about the arts. And I was just a bit of a, a theatre nerd and I read all the, all the plays and I wanted to see everything that was on. It was just always the thing that I really loved and it was always the thing that I appeared to be good at. So what's your favourite musical then? My favourite musical would definitely be West Side Story. Okay. I love West Side Story. I think the score, the story, it's it's just beautiful and I just I was lucky enough to um, do West Side Story as my graduating show at the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne. And um, I just, I love it. And of course, Strictly Ballroom now, the new musical. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of uh, Strictly Ballroom, it is a very new musical. So what are the challenges of opening a new show? There's a lot of challenges that that come with opening a new show. I mean, there's nothing to, I mean, there's a lot of challenges, but there's also a lot of excitement around it. And I think for Australia to have a new musical is something to be really proud of. And that was certainly something that was, that, fueled me even more to wanting to get the gig because I just thought this is so great it's not something that's from Broadway or the West End like this is something that's completely Australian and completely our own but in saying that as well like there's a lot of challenges that come with it you know in America they try out the new musicals in Philadelphia or Chicago and then they take it to Broadway like we don't have that here in Australia so there was no you know try out you know city or you know try out season it was we opened and we had you know eight weeks of rehearsal and things are still being refined and still ch- and still changing and that's the beauty and the demon of a new musical like there's always room for improvement because it's new and it's not completely perfect yet and we're you know we're going off the audience's reaction and what and what they seem to enjoy and what sort of seems to go on a bit too long or what we need to extend and there's different things that we're finding as we go along and as an actor I, like I personally find it really exciting that things are changing and moving and evolving but um, I know a lot of people also find it very challenging like it's hard to let go of things or it's sort of hard to rehearse something different during the day and do it differently that night you know. Mm. So how large are some of the changes that you've had to make so far? Well you know through previews there were quite a quite there were some quite large changes like I got a whole song added to um, the show which I'd learnt like that day and did in the show that night and you know that for me as a singer was something I found challenging I like to have a song for a 
for quite a long time before I even go into an audition with it, you know, and this was performing on stage that night. So, um, you know, that in itself during previews, there was quite some big structural changes. And now that we've opened and Baz has gone, you know, he's doing some other work overseas, there's been just slight little changes here and there, like little cuts, little refinements that he's, you know, approved via video. He watches the video, he watches the musical over over um you know on on video and he decides some things that that need to be changed and then um we'll make some further bigger changes before we go to melbourne Mm. now how different was the rehearsal process for a new musical compared to say rehearsing a favorite like west side story well um you know this is i'm like a relatively newcomer to musical theater like i've trained my whole life but this is my first you know big gig i haven't you know, done a big show before, so this is a huge break for me, and um, I this is my first real experience, so I just kind of went off what everybody else was saying, which was, this is so out of the norm, and, you know, normally it's, you stand here, you sing this, you say this, on that cue, you move over there, like, this is exactly how the person before did it, so this is how you're going to do it, kind of thing, um, but because this is a new musical, like, anything was up for grabs, and there was a lot of creativity in the room, and Baz is such a yes man. Like, he never says no to anything. And if someone proposed an idea, he'd be like, okay, let's try it. Let's run with it. Like, he's so creative and he's so playful. Like, he's almost got this, like, inner child that just wants to play and it's almost like this big drama class some days, which, you know, I think some people found hard because it would take quite a while to get something done. And, um, you know, Baz is quite notorious for, you know, really dragging out a rehearsal process or a film process or something like that. And it's because he just wants to try everything and um, and find the best way to tell the story. Well, that's a, certainly a very, very good thing. And what yeah. was the experience like with working with one of Australia's most iconic directors? Yeah, it's... Um, I, I don't think I'll ever experience anything like it again in my life. Like, he's just really... I sound like a cliche, but he's, yeah, he's just one of a kind and him and his wife Catherine are like this creative force that Australia should just be so proud of and I just, like the two of them in a room together, they create something so, so I think beautiful and um, yeah, just every day with with both of them was really exciting and I think you'd think that a scene would be finished and that we'd like thought of everything and we tried everything from every angle and then Baz would like pull a rabbit out of a hat and come up with something that you would think was completely, you know, wrong or silly and it wouldn't work and then it was like turned out to be the best idea ever, you know, and that's why he's the man that he is. He really thinks outside the box and he really listens to his actors and he's very kind that way. Like I think um, there was a lot of expectation, you know, working with Baz Luhrmann, that it would be this really daunting, you know, very um, challenging experience. And, yeah, it was, but he also had this really great ability to make everybody feel comfortable and you weren't ever really nervous around him, which is something that I think I expected to be. And he just was really calming and, yeah, welcoming. It's only a good director to work with then. Yeah, yeah. So how would you describe Strictly Borum, the musical, to someone who hasn't seen it or seen it or heard of it yet? Uh, I, I describe it as, like, a real Aussie classic. I think, like, the Aussie humour in the show is something that you're not going to really see in any other musical. So I think that in itself is a reason to come and see the show. Like, it's, 
you know, we've got these great big musicals like The Lion King and Wicked, but this is like Strictly Borum, an Australian classic musical. It's kind of reminiscent of Priscilla, I think. It's something that, you know, I think everyone will relate to and there's characters in the in the musical that I think people go, oh, I've got a cousin like that or I've got, you know. And with Fran, there's the whole, you know, ethnic side to it. She's from a Spanish family and in the 80s in Australia, that, that was something that, you know, a lot of people struggled with and I'm, my family's of Greek descent and my parents, you know, my family come and see the show, they go, oh, I remember being that walk, that walk girl, that walk boy that was really awkward and tried to fit in with everybody else and that's who Fran is and she doesn't want to be this awkward, you know, outcast and she tries to fit in. I think a lot of people can relate to that story as well. Mm. And it is a very iconic Australian movie that uh, the musical is based on. So how closely has the musical followed the film? I don't think there's anything in the movie that we've left out. Like, it's very close to the film. And a lot of people, you know, come out saying, oh, my God, it's so like the the movie. Um, But there's a lot more than the film. You know, like where Baz would use a close-up in in a shot with a character, we would go into song or, you know, we'd dance about it. So... There's a lot told through different, you know, different mediums like singing and dancing that in the film, you know, Baz would execute through, yeah, a close-up or, you know, an intimate moment between two characters and a look or something like that. And, you know, we have to heighten things on the stage because it's a bigger environment. Mm-hmm. And how do you make the role your own? Now, obviously, it is a new musical, but there is, uh, obviously, the character was established in the film. So how do you keep the character's essence without being a carbon yeah. copy of that, the film? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that definitely was challenging. I mean, through the audition process, like, the audition process for Fran was, like, eight months long. It was just so epic, and um, I had to really, like, fight and really... Um, prove myself and just as the character Fran does and I was later to find out that that was Baz's plan all along to you know see the fight in the in the actress that I was to to finally cast the the girl that would play the role and Tama Reese did such a beautiful job as Fran and it was definitely I was never going to ignore her performance because you know that she made the role what it was and I did make a choice, though, to only watch the film once during my auditions, and I got what I could from it, and I, I think I got the essence of the character through Tara's portrayal of her, but I I really wanted to make her my own, and I think um, I understand I understand Fran, and, uh, and I know with everybody else in the show, too, it's, um, you know, you're definitely reminiscent of the people that played the played the role in the film but we all bring our own stamp to it and it's it's just different in a musical like you know Fran's got to sing and Fran's got to do a bit more dancing in the musical and it's different so yeah it's definitely I'm definitely respectful of what Tara's done but I've um, had to make it my own because there's different challenges that come with the stage version. Well certainly now can you walk us through the process you go through each night to prepare for the show? I yeah um Everyone's really different. Um, I particularly like to get here um, an hour and a half early before curtain up, and I um, will put on sort of uh, like my warm-up gear, and then I'll go out onto the stage, and it'll be empty, and that no one will be in the, you know, in the audience, and I just sort of go sit in one of the seats in the audience, and um, I just slowly like warm up my body and like warm up my voice a little bit. 
and then everyone will come onto the stage at the hour call and do a physical warm-up. And once everybody's arrived, I'll sort of just say hello to everyone and then I'll go back into my room by myself. And um, I like to steam for like 20 minutes. I steam my voice. And then um, I get my hair up, makeup done, up, up, done. A 15 minute call, I do a 15 minute vocal warm up. And I do my warm up sort of just before I go out onto the stage, which is um, what I like to do. And a lot of other singers warm up like an hour before or, you know, half an hour before, but I do it sort of at the 15 minute call. And then I go out and we get ready for the show. So it certainly is a lot of hard work, but that's paid off for you as you've been nominated for a Helpman Award for your performance yeah. in the show. What's the feeling like finding out you've been nominated for Australia's Highest Performance Award? Oh, I just I couldn't really believe it because, you know, the company that I'm in uh, are all these women that I've looked up to and I just respect so much and they're also established in the theatre industry and I think just to even be nominated among them is, you know, such an honour and it's like this time last year, like my life was so far away from where I am now and so... In that sense, I'm just, there's so many times that, like, instances like that when I found out I got nominated, it was another sort of pinch yourself moment. I couldn't really believe it and how far I've come in such a short amount of time. I'm very grateful and I'm very grateful that I get to do what I really love to do and I love coming to work every day and it is really challenging, but I just, I love it so much. Does the, the love of the performance make the hard work a little bit easier? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, everybody here, like our resident director, Kelly Abbey, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, so um, I think that's I'm my own worst enemy, and um, I think you're only as good as your last best show, so I'm always trying to improve my performance, and sometimes I can be a bit, a bit harsh, and if something goes wrong, I'll get you know, upset about it or try really hard to make it better the next time. But I think that's the beauty of eight shows a week, you know, and for someone like me who's always, always like in search of the perfect performance, I can come back the next night and go, oh, that didn't work, so I'm going to do this tomorrow. And yeah, um, I love it and I love the routine of it. And yeah, it's, it's, it is exciting and it does make it easier when you're really enjoying what you're doing. Mm. So, being a perfectionist, how much training have you had prior to this role to get to that, uh, what you consider the, you know, the perfect standard? Um, well, you know, I think you, um, as, a, as a performer and an artist, I don't think you ever stop training. Like, I'm always trying to learn things, and I think I learn most from the people I'm around. So, when I graduated high school, I went to Newtown Performing Arts, and I had so many creative friends there, and I, I loved you know, working on group devised projects and things like that. And I did dance, music and drama and all three of them I was really, you know, active in. And then I went to the VCA straight out of high school and I was, I did a full-time music theatre course. And then again, surrounded by so many wonderful creative people. And I really learn and I really learn off the people I'm around. And I love watching other people on the floor and other people performing and acting and singing and, um, now that I'm in this show, I have so many people to learn from. I've got Heather Mitchell and Drew Forsyth and, and Robert Grubb, like these amazing actors around me that are so seasoned. And Yeah, I think I'm always just trying to learn from them and watch. And I've done, yeah, a lot of training. I haven't really stopped. And when I graduated from VCA, I was, 
you know, still doing like two singing lessons a week and all these dance classes and trying to see as much theatre as I could. And yeah, I, I mean, I love it. So it's not really like training as such, but just rather learning. Yeah. Mm. So if you could choose any role from any musical, what role would you play? Well, I'm pretty lucky with Fran. I mean, I get to do a lot and I, you know, she's she's a beautiful, joyous character to play every night. But I think um, I would my dream role would definitely be um, Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. <laughs> so I'd love to play Funny Girl one day. Well, it certainly can't be too far off for you. Oh, hopefully one day. <laughs> now, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Um, I guess kind of what I said before, um, never stop, uh, you know, never limit yourself. Like if there's a play on, like go see it. If there's a musical on, go see it. If, you know, there's a, you know, open jazz class or a, you know, tap class, anything. I just, with, with the money that you have and the resources that you have, I'd get to as much classes and live theater as I possibly could. And, um, you know, I experienced a lot of rejection and a lot of no before I got this job. And um, I think with each no, it just fueled me even further and reaffirmed that this is really what I wanted to do. And the closer I got, the the more, the harder I would work. And I'd go away and analyse what was going on. And I guess just, yeah, never giving up and, and never limiting yourself. Like, it's a tough industry and there's a lot of really good people. And I think not conforming to what you think is what you think is hireable like there was a while where I thought oh I'm not I'm not blonde and I'm not you know fair and I'm not a soprano and you know it's going to be really hard for me but you know there's something that'll come around for you at the right time and if you are different you know own what it is about you that's different and use it that's what I would that's what I would say to somebody well thank you for your very wise words and all the best for the rest of the season and for the Helpman Awards Thank you very much. Lovely to talk to you. And you. That was Phoebe Panaritos talking to me about the role of Fran in Strictly Borum, the musical. I will give you my review of the show later on this episode. But first, here's my chat with Thomas Lacey, who plays Scott in the show. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Strictly Borum is a very popular movie, but the musical is new. How would you describe the musical to someone who hasn't heard of it before? Um, well, if you have seen the movie, I feel like it does the movie a lot of justice. But if you haven't seen the movie, it doesn't matter. Um, as soon as you walk into that theatre, it is an extremely visual and uh, I'd probably say over-the-top kind of vibe. Um, and then as soon as that curtain opens, we're off and running and it, it's pretty much full steam ahead all the way till the end, really. Yeah, it's, it's a very full-on in-your-face kind of production, but it also has, of course, those really tender moments between Scott and Fran and things like that. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the film, so how closely does the musical follow the story the film, I suppose, created? Yeah, it, all the way through the, uh, the musical, we have so much from the, from the film. I'm pretty sure the original script was based off the movie. Um, of course, we had to make some tweaks and cuts and added new things in for the musical. Um, but in things like when there's a close-up or an emotion that needs to be really, really portrayed in the movie, then we'll most likely do it in song. So 
So through song, we'll belt out a huge, a huge ten o'clock belter and really get the heart wrenching part of the audience out, and then go into a dance break or something like that. So yeah, it, it's shown in different forms, but in essence, it's always going to be the same. And what's the rehearsal process like for a musical of this scale? Yeah, being a brand new musical um, that we've pretty much had to do from scratch when we go off the movie, um, it was it was quite a lengthy one. Phoebe and I, Phoebe plays, Phoebe plays Fran, um, she, uh, we both were doing flamenco classes all the way through uh, for quite a while. Uh, and then we got into like a workshop period and then we had a bit of a, bit of a break and then we rehearsed for a solid five weeks, uh, nine to five every day, pretty much um, smashing out a show that needed to be put on uh, as soon as possible, really. And yeah, so we worked really, really hard, had three weeks of tech, um, even that in itself, doing a brand new show in three weeks just to put it on stage was a huge ask. And yeah, like even, even to this day, we're still changing the show. Um, and I'm sure many people have told or have said that Memory wasn't in Cats the first time it opened, and I'm just, there's heaps of other musicals too. So it's the ever-evolving show at the moment. Every night's a little bit different, um, and it will be even different, even more different um, when we go to Melbourne. Mm. So what was the most challenging part of that rehearsal process? Um, for me personally, I would actually have to say the audition part was probably the, worst, the, the hardest part. Um, but... In regards to the rehearsing, it would have just been the hours and how fast-paced that we had to move. Like, yes, of course, we had to to really nut down and um, focus on things, but the pace that we had to go at was, it was pretty crazy because during that rehearsal time, we were also doing costumes, we were doing sets, we were doing everything. And then on top of that, we were also doing lots of publicity because we had to get the show known um, and get it out there for everybody to come and watch. So, yeah. Now, this is a new musical, as uh, we've talked about. So how do you approach playing a new musical theatre character? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big ask for being a brand new musical, um, a brand new musical in Australia, especially. Um, and, of course, there's all this pressure and all that sort of stuff, but I try and look past that. Um, I like to think that I was cast for a reason, and so I go out there every night and try and do the character justice. Um, of course, I've looked at the film and I've got a lot of um, Paul McCurry's interpretation, but like I said at the start of the interview with things like emotions being portrayed differently, like through song or through dance, I've had to change a few things and bring my own, my own self into it, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you prepare before each performance? For me, I have a big meal probably three hours before and then I come in um, I steam for my voice and then we'll have the hour call and we'll do a warm up and then a vocal warm up and then I'll come back to my room do a bit more of a vocal warm up there um, and then make sure I drink lots and lots and lots of water previous to the show and then during the show I've got little bits where I have energy gel packs or water or manuka honey or stuff like that and then after the show, I'll have a protein shake and a big feed uh, just to restore everything that I've lost because I lose a lot of energy and sweat during the show. I'm sure you would, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm yet to see the show, but I'm sure there's some, there are some fairly complicated dance routines that you've got to deal with. Do these get easier yeah. as, as I suppose, you do the show more times? 
Yeah, totally. It's since the first preview that we ever did, I was I was a bit on struggle street there. Um, for the show, for my character, my plot for Scott, it's a pretty big show um, in terms of dance and movement. So I'm kind of always always going hard in the dancing and things like that. So it's taken me quite a while to be able to get to this fitness and to be able to maintain it. Um, fine tuning uh, when to when to have water and not get a stitch or when to eat something in interval and how much to eat in between things um, is, I've found quite interesting to, to master, but I feel like now, uh, however many months down the track, I've, I've kind of got it all under control now. Mm. Well, as you've mentioned, you've been doing it for a few months now, so how do you keep that same energy you had on opening night? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of music theatre. Um, you do get to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, and it is special. I guess I have to credit Kelly Abbey so much because she reminds me every show that people are out there watching it for the first time and they're here to enjoy it and to break away from all their heartache and things that are happening in the world and they can get lost in our production for the next two and a half hours. And yeah, but me personally, I, 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 just really love it. I've been doing it ever since I was seven and um, I find joy in going out there and performing and I get lost in the character too. So yeah, it's, it makes it special for me too. So what do you think are the key elements to make a musical successful? Key elements? Well, you need to be able, we need to sing, dance and act <laughs> to start off with. Um, but I feel layering of a musical is quite important. Like, for our musical especially, we've got so many bright, glitzy, glamorous moments of the show. And then we totally break down into the real truth and really beautiful moments between Scott and Fran and the relationship that they have through the course of the musical. Um, so I feel like that's really, really important um, and making sure the, the audience really enjoys it too, whether it be a, a sad musical or a happy musical like getting the most out of them too. Mm. How would you describe the life of a musical theatre performer? The life? Oh, um, it can be pretty rough sometimes. Doing H of the Week uh, is, is pretty full on, even though we do get, I guess, most of the day off um, and do the show at night. For me, it, it's throwing my body clock out of a little bit of whack. Not that that's too bad, um, but... For me personally, it, with the show being the size that it is, um, I really had to really concentrate and, and work on things to really fine-tune to get my performance to the 100% capacity, really. Mm. Now, in addition to the, your theatre performance, you've also worked on TV with shows like Dance Academy and Winners and Losers. What do yeah. you think are the major differences between TV and stage? Um, well, with music theatre, you're performing live you've got you've broken the fourth wall um you strict straight directly to the audience that's so special for me because i feed a lot of the audience um and yeah so then with tv you're looking down a lens or you're, you're performing to a different actor um on set and it's different but i learned a lot of naturalistic uh ideas and creative things about naturalism through, through TV. Uh, so 
I feel a lot of music theatre performers, and myself included, can get a bit too over the top with things because we feel like we have to perform to everybody um, in the house, whereas you can actually take a, a back seat and be naturalistic and really touch the audience members even more through that. So, yeah, there's, there's a big difference between TV and film through how the size of the acting, I guess, but, yeah, I, I enjoy both, really. So you don't have a favourite? Um, I kind of got the bug for TV when I started it, but I've always loved uh, music theatre, and I'm so happy to be back in music theatre now. Now, Strictly Warham is heading to Melbourne next, but for our overseas listeners, are you aware of any plans to release an album or tour internationally? Uh, not at the moment. We haven't, we haven't really been told anything like that. Um, our main focus at the moment is to finish out Sydney and then to get into Melbourne. Um, I'm from Melbourne originally, so I'm so excited to get home um, and play there at the Her Majesty's Theatre. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't heard anything about overseas yet. Um, hopefully... Hopefully we do, uh, with a name like Baz Luhrmann attached to it, it it's, pretty, it's pretty special, so that can always happen. Um, but even with the recording, that I hope that happens too, but we haven't been told anything about that yet, so, hmm. yeah. Well, what can audiences expect when they come to see the show? As soon as you walk in that theatre door, um, people will know what I'm talking about when it's visual. It's very... Uh, I can't really give it away, but... Um, there's lots going on, really. Um, so from, yeah, like I said before, as soon as you walk in, it, it's off and running, and the music's from the time and uh, everything on stage is so... Oh, I hate to say pizzazz, but it's very bright and colourful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very enjoyable show. Everybody walks out with a big smile on their face, and that's what I love, too, about it. It sounds like a very magical experience, almost. Yeah. Well, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? In the performance industry, my advice would be to not give up. So many people can get lost in it and uh, not feel like they're good enough or anything like that, but there is always a role or a production out there for you. And... You can audition, audition, audition and never get anything for years and years and years and then finally you will get that big break and you will you will make it really, I guess. Um, so I guess sticking with it and you need to work your absolute behind off and go to acting classes, go get singing lessons, go get dance classes and don't let anybody else kind of outrun you in that sense. So yeah, my advice would just be... To, to make use of all the uh, techniques that are needed for, for performing, really. Well, thank you for that advice and for your time today, and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. That was my chat with Thomas Lacey, who plays Scott in Strictly Warham, the musical. Now, I did see the show last week, and I'm just going to give you my review of it. Now... Obviously, it is based on the movie, and they wanted to stay as close to the movie as they could. And I do think that it didn't have a lot of variation, which 
I don't think was the best course to follow. Um, I felt that the script dragged a little bit and that some of the songs weren't as uh, as new and as powerful and as fresh as I hoped they could have been. The individual performers were outstanding and there certainly was a chemistry between Phoebe and Thomas. Um, so there was some wonderful performances in general, but the whole show itself I didn't think hangs together that well. So unfortunately... It's not one of my favourite shows that I've seen recently. So overall there's some amazing performers and that ranges from the leads to the supporting and you can tell they're all putting their all into it. And even though those characters sometimes aren't written very well or some of their songs aren't great, they still give their 110% and you can see that all the time. But I do feel the storyline lacks a lot. And one thing that did annoy me a little bit is the tendency to revolve the set uh, sometimes during scene or bringing it on and off, which was quite dizzying and it just felt really unnecessary. There was no reason to spin the set. So this show for me isn't one of my favourites. It had some great performances and some wonderful performers in there, but the storyline doesn't hang together too well for me. Now, the next major event that I had the pleasure of attending this month was the Helpman Awards, which were held on the 18th of August. Now, everyone's covered who the winners are and uh, you know who the nominees were, so I am going to give you my re a, a review. Uh, you know, it is treated a lot like a show, and one of the big things for me was the format and sort of style of the award ceremony. Now, it is a nearly three-hour award ceremony, but time flew just like that. It was very, very enjoyable. And each person brought something new uh, to say when they came up to accept their award. Now, there were some great performances in there. Uh, the Lion King opened the show, and it was held at the Lion King's home of the Capitol Theatre, and their performance was the best in the entire evening. Obviously, they were working with their own orchestra in their own home, so they did have that home ground advantage, but they certainly were some of the strongest performers of the evening. There were some nice and quirky performances throughout the evening, but uh, I, overall, I think that could have been something that was increased. Now, with uh, a lot of musical theatre people have seen the Tony Awards, and the Helpman Awards did try and copy that style and structure very, very closely. But the one thing that differed was the amount of performances. Now, I know we don't have nearly as many shows in Australia uh, as they do on Broadway and in the uh, that whole uh, region of America, but I thought we could get a few more from the musicals. Uh, we had The Lion King and we had Les Mis, but... It did feel like it lacked that that um, element of having so many songs and so many performances and even individual performers. We only had one or two, so I think that's something they could seriously think about upping next year. And I know that would make the night a little bit longer, but I'm sure people wouldn't mind as long as obviously there were good songs. Now the other thing that uh, I suppose I want to comment on is the closing number, uh, "One More Day" from Les Mis, from the current production showing in Melbourne, and. The performance itself was was quite strong, but there was one performer who surprised me a little bit, the person who played Marius, um, whose voice was rather weak and timid, and I know that's more to do with the show and nothing to do with the Helpman Awards, but I thought it was a very strange, strange casting of that role when everyone else had so powerful voices, and uh, it was a fantastic end to the Helpman Awards. And uh, I, I think a lot of the, uh, the winners were justified in their... 
their wins. But there were a couple of ones that uh, were a little bit strange to me. I suppose the main one was the best musical going to um, The King and I, John Frost and Opera Australia's production. And um, I know this show has gone through a bit of turmoil, so it's a pretty good thing that it won. But I do feel that there were some other standout shows in that uh, that category, such as the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which has been enjoyed by many people all around Australia, where The King and I has only done a couple of states so far, and are still playing. So the Helmut Awards were a wonderful evening, and I do encourage musical theatre fans around Australia to try and get there for next year, um, which will be held around the same time, and of course a lot of people watch it on Foxtel, and I believe there are still some encore screenings on Arena, so I would check that out if you can. Now, the final live performance I've attended so far this month is the Mythbusters show Behind the Myths. Now, it features Jamie and Adam from the cult TV show, and I think that fans may just be a little underwhelmed at this live show. Now, they do tell quirky anecdotes, and you get a, a Q&A session, but their style of myths and sort of the myth-busting, which they're famous for, was a little bit underdone. They only did a couple of experiments, and there was no explosions of any kind, whether that be chemical reactions, small ones, or, you know, blowing stuff up. And as that's what the Mythbusters are famous for, and I know there are obvious restrictions within a live venue with a live audience, but I'm sure there was something they could have done to just liven it up that little bit more. Now, it was quite expensive to get tickets for, um, so I, I think that some people may be a little bit disappointed with the amount, the amount of money they have to spend to see the show, but there were a lot of fans who were really happy. Uh, and I think the Q&A sessions in the middle of the show were also a little bit of a mistake because it relies so heavily on what the audience asks to make it entertaining for everyone else. For example, one of the questions that Adam got asked was where he buys his clothes from. And I mean... That's not one of the most interesting questions that could have been posed. I mean, there's so much they've done over there, uh, quite a few years on television. There's so many questions that I'm sure people had, but unfortunately, it's just the luck of the draw. So doing things like that in the middle of the show, I think, were a little bit of a letdown. I'm sure fans of the Mythbusters and diehard fans of them and scientists and engineers are going to quite enjoy this show, and it is still on tour, so you can check that out. It's the Mythbusters Behind the Myth Tour. But uh, certainly I think it can be a little bit underwhelming if you're expecting lots of explosions and quite a, a lot of myth-busting, as it were. So that's all the live performances for this month, and I'll be back uh, early next month, and I'm going to The Last Confession with David uh, Suchet, so I'll be reviewing that in our first podcast of next month. Now, thanks to my wonderful sponsors, I've got the opportunity to do some movie reviews, and that's Palace Nova Cinemas. Now, for this month, there is only one movie to review, and that's Begin Again. And this movie is charming, but almost an exact copy, storyline-wise, of John Carney's last major film, Once. Now, it is just one of these movies that is nice. It's enjoyable, it has good music, but once you start thinking too much about the story and the characters, it does fall continuously flat. So, it is just one of those nice films. It does suffer from poor writing, and the acting is quite varial, 
but if you haven't seen once and just want a, a nice relaxing movie that doesn't require too much thinking, Begin Again is perfect, and I've given that one three stars. But to read my full review uh, of that, you can head over to the website, preacherspodcast.net, and then the movie reviews section. Now, Roadshow DVDs are also one of the sponsors of this show, or supporters of this show, and they've released a ton of stuff over August, including The Musketeers, Time of Our Lives Season 2, Nashville, Orphan Black, D.L. and Pasco, The Tunnel, Transcendence, and a whole lot more. And some of these are major films, and some of them are TV series direct from London, and there's a whole range of content there. So I do encourage you to check out some of those releases, and they're available for any good DVD retail or on uh, iTunes to purchase. And I'm very pleased to welcome a brand new supporter to the show, um... Madman Entertainment is an Australian company that distributes Australian and international films, as well as anime and manga in Australia and New Zealand, and it's one of the major entertainment companies in Australia. So I haven't had a chance to check out any of their stuff as yet, but in the first podcast of next month we'll have some reviews thanks to Madman. So don't forget to check out all our sponsors, and that's Roadshow Entertainment, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and our newly added sponsor, Madman Entertainment. Next month, we'll hear from Francis Greenslade, who's a comedian, an actor, and a performer on Sean McCarlough's Mad as Hell. So that's our first podcast of next month. I've been your host, Benjamin May McKay. This is Benjamin May McKay's Talk To Me. See you next time.